Today on the Cineos Health Podcast, we'll be talking about commercialization, launching new drugs, especially for new companies in the U.S. I'm Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. I'm at a leadership conference, and I'll be joined by Nick Marasco. Nick is Executive Vice President for Global Business Development and Commercial Solutions here at Cineos Health. Nick has a lot of experience within the industry in helping companies launch new products and has been, at another manufacturer, head of global commercialization. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Launch commercialization next on the Cineos Health Podcast. Nick. Thanks for being on the City of South Podcast. Jeff, thanks for having me. I've been wanting you on the podcast for a while. Yeah, um, listen, I'm excited to be here. I've been waiting to get on the microphone. Okay. So tell me, where are things going with commercialization? When you look at commercialization in this industry, what's changing? It's not the same thing where we had the large sales forces in the, quite the same way where they would have yeah. parties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I think there's a lot changing and I think your question is very complex. In the past five years, in my experience, there's been a number of interesting changes across the marketplace, whether you're talking pharmaceutical, biotech, traditional types of assets, oncology, orphan. So what are we seeing? Number one, as you said, Jeff, I think the size of the teams are very different. How companies are choosing to go to market and launch products is different. How they market them how they work with payers, how they work directly with institutions, large IDNs and ACOs. The size of the field force that they're deploying is very different. I'd say the biggest change that we are seeing is more emerging pharmaceutical and biotech companies are choosing to go to market on their own. There's a lot of capital that's available to these emerging companies. They have strong IP. They're not looking for large partnerships or out-licensing deals, U.S. or abroad. They're looking for solutions that allow them the opportunity to go to market on their own. It's been an interesting dynamic to watch. When you have new companies that really didn't go to the market on their own before, they're going to do some things poorly. They're also going to do some things that are better than pharma did before because pharma's been there for a while, so some things are kind of stayed, and so they're set in their ways. Let's start with the good end. What does a new company that's never really been in the market before do well and better than older pharma might? Good question. Let me take a step back and answer it in two different ways. Number one is a lot of the emerging companies, if you're in oncology or orphan, they're essentially bringing in senior leadership that came from large pharma. And so these are folks that have a tremendous amount of commercial experience, sales, marketing, strategy, market access from large pharma companies. And so They're bringing the experiential knowledge and the insight that they had in big pharma. But what they're really doing is they're bringing an entrepreneurial spirit to the emerging company that they're working with. So that's number one. Number two, in a number of emerging companies, you see folks that have moved from emerging mid-sized company. They've moved around quite a bit and they've landed. And so how they commercialize is very different based on the experience that they had, whether it was in large pharma or emerging. And so I'll answer your question by saying there's no simple answer. It really depends on the company, on the asset, on the portfolio and the pipeline. It depends on the leadership team. It depends on the extent of financing that they currently have. And so if you work with 10 different companies, you have 10 very different situations that you're doing. All right. What are the pitfalls you see with companies that really haven't commercialized before? Maybe they have hired. It's easy. So I would say not enough preparation. 
Many companies historically, whether you're large farmer or emerging companies, you've typically started to engage a commercial strategy 12 to 18 months in advance. Right? That's how the business operated. The biggest mistake that companies make today is they're waiting too late. They need to start engaging 36 to 24 months in advance. Unfortunately, most companies don't have the financial resources or the planning time in order to do that. So very simple answer, it's timing. If you haven't worked as a boots on the ground kind of person in pharma, but you know that, yes, there's a sales force out there, they do something, but you don't know what they do. What is it that a sales force really does now that's really different from what they did before, really important? Maybe they knew about what a sales force was like 15 years ago. I can remember my first project about that long ago where I was training a very, very large sales force, multiple thousands of people. Those seem to be gone. What do I need to know now about sales forces that wasn't really true before? I'll give you a response. It's my answer. Certainly listeners to this podcast may have a different opinion. I would say the role of a sales professional today is very different from what it was five to 10 years ago. I believe when you look at specialty areas like orphan oncology, biotech, it becomes more of an educational type of engagement, sales reps educating more versus selling. The payer landscape ultimately defines the role that the sales rep plays out in the open market. And there's just not a whole lot of opportunity for traditional sales reps. It's more education-based. Promotion is still very important. Awareness and getting in front of the right opinion leaders and promoting your brand is still very important. But the role that she or he plays should be more educational today than sales. What question are you asked, Nick, most often by companies that are looking to start for the first time and launch a product for the first time? A lot of companies want to know, what's the golden ticket? How do we take this asset that's currently in phase three this asset that we're about to submit for approval, and how do we make it a blockbuster drug? And what I would say is there's no easy solution. There's no hockey sticks in the industry today. I think it's preparation. It really is. I think you need to prepare earlier. And by the way, preparation doesn't mean spending more money, right? Preparation means that you're starting earlier, engaging with the right stakeholders, whether they're prescribers, patients, advocacy, managed care, IDNs, and ACOs, you're starting conversations earlier that allow you to gain greater insight about the marketplace, about the competitive landscape, about your asset, so that when you launch, you're in a position to be more informative to your buyers. So what do I wish people would ask? I wish people would ask us earlier to provide advisory and consult to help them launch a successful asset. Because at the end of the day, it's about the patients, right? And so if a company can't get its novel therapy to patients, regardless of how much money they make, wasn't a successful launch. I'm going to ask you one final question, and this is a serious one too. I don't know how in the current payer environment that you win at launch. How do you win at launch? Can you win at launch these days? That's a good question. Yes, you can win at launch. Payers have the same motivation that pharmaceutical manufacturers do, biotech manufacturers do. They want to provide solutions for patients. Unfortunately, sometimes you don't necessarily have novel therapies. I think if you have a novel therapy that addresses a major need in the market, you can be successful at launch. If you're bringing a product to the market that's Me Too, that has similar efficacy, similar safety profile, you're at risk of not having the advantage of a successful launch. And so I would say novel is good, appropriate pricing is good, Certainly, efficacy and safety profile is positive, 
But look, payers are willing to work with manufacturers. It just has to be the right asset. Nick Morasco, thanks so much for joining me on the Cineo Sales Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. This is, I've been waiting for this. Thank you. That's all for today's episode of the Cineos Health Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you have comments, suggestions, questions, or if you just want to talk through a particular challenge that you're having at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at Where consultants, that's what we do.